0: No clue. Listen, I mean, you just told me that you don't know what you're doing. So as long as you can admit the truth, then I think I think we'll be fine.
1: That's a that's a good lead into this whole thing, right? Now you just started hitting record. Now everybody heard that I said I don't know what I'm doing. So
0: I don't think this is going to come as a surprise to
1: most of the leaks, Scott. No, I, I don't think it is either, so.
0: <laughs> cool. Well, I am excited to be here with you. Um, I'm excited to talk Oakland A's baseball. Um, you know, like I said to you on the on the lead in here, half my motivation is to learn things about other people's teams so I can, you know, engage more and, and get into some trade talks with people. I mean, especially you. I mean, so my background coming in, chatting with you is like, I know you as one of the most active owners in the league. You're always active in Slack. You're always uh, pursuing trades throughout the league. How long have you been an owner in MLB Pro? I, I don't think I actually know that.
1: I think I came into the league in 2013. I started off in the Japanese league. Oh, That's right. the way okay. we You we used to have to come into the Japanese league and then um, at the end of the 2013 season, I think it was 2013 or maybe it was the end of 2012, the Reds came open And I got asked if I wanted to take on the Reds.
0: And what were you feeling about taking on the Reds at that time? I'm trying to think back to what I knew about like circa 2012 era Reds. That feels like a very Johnny Cueto time period, but I could be wrong. It could be off a little bit.
1: Well, that and uh, Joey Votto, but the owner had just traded Joey Votto during that year. Very familiar with where Joey Votto ended up. Yeah, he kind of, he kind of, uh, Took the team in a different direction than I would have, but you know, that was okay. I got to put my stamp on it.
0: Yeah. And if I remember right, you're actually a, a real life um, Oakland A's fan, right?
1: I am. And I grew up in Sacramento and, you know, cut school and, and went to see the A's a couple times.
0: Man, that's awesome. So I went to my first A's game with um, uh, MLB pro owner Justin Jabs.
1: Okay. Uh, yep, just a I didn't get it years ago. I, I didn't get a chance to meet Justin when he was here in Oakland, but yeah, that would have been cool. I agree. i met a I met a different MLB Pro owner. Wait, no, it was a different league I was in. Uh,
0: Wait, how many leagues are you in? Is this is this a situation? This is my only.
1: Now? This is my only league now. I used to be in more.
0: This isn't like when when I wondered why Sean, the Padres GM, was you know absent a lot of the time, and you know I come to find out that he's in 15 or more leagues. It's not bad. <laughs>
1: no this is my only baseball league awesome outside of a real life fantasy baseball league yeah i mean we've all got to be in that right yes exactly
0: well you took over the a's um we went back and forth on this and you were trying to tell me it was midseason 2020 and i for some reason kept thinking 2021 and telling you that was wrong um yeah (laughs) so you you showed up in the middle of july 2020 so when you first got in to oakland Did you know anything about the team that the previous owner was running um, before you stepped in other than like quickly looking it over?
1: Yeah, no, I I knew about the A's uh, and, you know, when they came open and I took over, I was, he had traded, uh, who did he trade? I can't remember. Uh, He traded a bunch of prospects to get Bueller.
0: Oh, okay. Gotcha.
1: And so... Yeah, no, I, I knew about them before I knew the division I was getting involved in when I when I moved over but you know, the Oakland A's came open my home my favorite team so I decided what the heck I would try to give Matt and Justin a, a run for their money and the other and both Matt's I should say.
0: Yeah, that's, that's going to be a that's, gonna, <laughs> that's a tough nut to crack. Um, before we jump into just how brutal the AL West is, what was your assessment when you first got there in Oakland? What, How did you feel about the team um, when you got there? I can't remember if you showed up right before the trade deadline or if you made any moves that year. Um, but what was, like, your overall assessment when you were jumping in?
1: Well, when I came on, I board, on board, I looked at the pitching staff, and I went, uh, so this team can compete. And I traded several prospects to, to compete. And then, you know. Of course, failure happened.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was going back and I was looking at some of the early moves you made with the A's, and I figured I'd touch on at least a couple of, of the things that you're hinting at. So in October of 2020, when it was your first offseason with the A's, um, you sent a, a pretty talented catching prospect named Doug Smith over to Atlanta with, um, with another solid young player, um, center fielder Josh Lowe. And what you got back in return was Trevor Story. I have to admit, I'm super baffled by that trade. Trevor Story um, looked very much the part of a replacement player. What was what was the motivation in that trade right now?
1: Obviously, I didn't know what I was doing. I thought Story was gonna bounce back and, and be a solid. If, if he wasn't gonna start, he was going to be the super sub. Gotcha. You know, cause he could back up second, short, and third. Okay,
0: so that was the motivation.
1: You know, so I figured I was going to try to compete. And, you know, I saw Doug Smith as a backup, you know, catcher. I had Paul Bailey, who was my future catcher. And so I figured, what the heck? Let's give it a shot and see if I can compete. And that failed.
0: Well, hey man, I know that Trevor Story is seen as a leader in the clubhouse, and you know how I feel about leaders. So I guess I have to give you kudos based on that alone.
1: Well, you know, he is available. (laughs) (laughs) I have no doubt. Do you feel like I could could move him right now? You want to do it right here (laughs) on (laughs) live?
0: I think I'm gonna take a pass on that. Um, as much as I I do love leaders in the clubhouse. Yeah. Um, like looking looking back on on that deal, is that one you wish you could have back now now that you've Kind of seen what Smith looks like and what Low looks like a little bit more on the higher level, of the minors.
1: Well, yeah, uh, Smith just blossomed right right away, and obviously because he's helping, he helped Atlanta get to the World Series, right? So yeah, I mean, he yeah. did good. Well, uh, I'm glad that uh, Brenton had a chance to go in the World Series. I was really pulling for him, you know. But he, like every other NL team, has gone down in flames, including I, you know, I made it to the world series in 2017 with the reds and I lost to Rocky in seven games. Nobody should ever talk about that. No, no. That still haunts me to this day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have no doubt. I mean, I I can only dream of what it would be like to get to the world series. I, you know, in the middle of this, and I still have not gone back to luck either four or five year rebuilds. I can't remember the exact year I took over. Like I told Jabs, um, it's kind of a blur the first couple of years, but, um, man, I'm hoping playoffs sometime soon. But again, not my, well, you got not a my good credit. young,
1: you got a good young core. So I wouldn't yeah. be surprised.
0: I'm hoping, but I mean, I got to pull off some more deals. I, I told Jabs I'd make a trade with him. You and I yesterday were chatting and uh, I mean, we were chatting about, so one of the other guys, a couple of guys on our list that I wanted to talk about with you, um, we were talking about Chad Scott, who you brought in, in a similar deal um, that first off season where you dealt um, it was Jonathan India and, um, for a, you know, trio of minor league relievers, right? Like you would kind of, it looked it looked to me like you were kind of trying to build up some depth for the major league bullpen. Um, mm-hmm. And you had just gotten Chad Scott from Minnesota. So I was thinking it looked like maybe you were thinking, hey, India might be a little ways off. Um, Chad Scott looks like he is still a valuable major league contributor at second base. Was that kind of the motivation for, for that deal and sending India
1: off? That and isn't that the trade I got Ken Gary in? Yeah, it, uh, it might very well have been, yep. I think it was. and and gary was the key to that trade for me yes thinking that india was still a couple years off and i was trying to compete but i just looked at gary and i looked you know closer yeah and uh, you know for a long time so that was my motivation india's turned out to be pretty decent i expected that but you know when you go for it you gotta can't be afraid to let go of the talent to do it
0: Yep. Hey, I, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in that position right now where I'm debating, you know, how, just how much of the minor league depth I've built up to let go to grab a couple of guys for the major league roster. So, you know, I can't fault you in that. I mean, when you pick a direction, you've got to go. I think that when you do sit and kind of sit on the fence, that's, that's where you kind of torch your team, right?
1: Right. I, I'm an all or nothing type of person. I'm either all going to go all in or now I'm going all rebuilt. Can't fault you for that. <laughs> so, but I don't think my rebuild is going to take that long you know I think by 2023 I I don't think I'll be competitive in 2023 but the pieces are going to start being there to be there in 2024 I think yeah we talked about
0: that too just a little bit like yesterday when we were chit-chatting um, you know and you said hey look I don't think this rebuild is going to take forever I've got a bunch of talent at double-a um, so I popped down I looked at that double-a team and I mean you're right you do have a few pieces down there that that look really promising Brandon Gill looks like He's a, you know, elite power bat at first base. Um, Jordan Groshans, I mean, he looks like an MLB guy at third base. He probably won't be the most outstanding defender at third base, but definitely a very capable third baseman. And then I also saw um, Jalen Lofton was on that roster. He's one of your top prospects. Um, I, I believe he's a center fielder. I mean, he looks like a, an elite center fielder, I should say. And then flipping over to the pitching side, um, I know that, I know you're, you're theoretically best ranked Pitching prospect by OSA is Pardino, but I really like Baz and Schoenborn um, even more than even more than Pardino. He looks more like a you know big elite reliever out of the bullpen. How are how are you viewing you know those those trio pitchers that I talked about, and just also that that a talent that's pooling up there?
1: Yeah, well, Baez was the key in the Geoledo one one of the keys in the geoletal trade, you know. So uh, I see him as a top of the rotation type of guy. Uh Schollenborn, yeah, same. I, I see him as a two or three in the future. Pardino, you know, I I'm thinking he's gonna be a four or five or or could be a setup person or a long reliever. Sure. But you never know how they develop. Yeah. You know, that's the other thing. That's why you stockpile so many talented people and hoping that a few of them come around uh for the hitting side i move gill over to first base because you know i i have bentley and groshans now from trading bueller to atlanta and in lofton i see as a elite center fielder you know that might move uh fustini over to one of the corners with carlson the other guy in double a i'm I like and I'm excited for is is Stevenson the catcher
0: okay.
1: that that I got from Minnesota also in the Giolito trade. Uh, you know, like I said, told you when we were chatting yesterday, I don't have a scout, so I only see what OSA sees right now. Yep. Uh, so that's kind of a bummer. So hopefully the other teams that are looking for a scout don't pick the same guy I picked. To <laughs> Stay go away. That,
0: that, that's yeah, the message.
1: That, that usually happens to me. And, you know, I don't go, I mean, million bucks, that's about the most I'll pay for, for a person, but.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm looking at Stevenson who I, who I guess I kind of glossed over when I was looking at the double a roster and maybe sometimes that's just because, you know, ratings in general are kind of low offensively for a lot of catchers. I mean, he looks like an average guy behind the plate in terms of defense and he's had two really good. Um, I guess, can't call it seasons, right, because you acquired him in trade, but, like, he put together two pieces of with two teams last year and, you know, hit above 300 with a pretty high on-base percentage. Um, I think my scout has him, you know, as, like, a 50-I discipline guy with, like, a 50-50 contact. I mean, if nothing else, like, he at least seems like he'll be a guy who could catch on on a major league roster.
1: Right and well, my previous scout I think had him on like a 60 contact and a 60 eye, which you know made him more enticing.
0: Yeah, but, and the and the stats look more like that, right? And that's what Justin and I were talking about in the last uh, last podcast was at some point um, you have to start trusting the stats, you know, just as much as you do the the, the ratings.
1: Right. Yep. It's easy to get caught up in ratings. So the other guy on double-A that I, I'm hoping is, is Gorset, who I also got from Atlanta in the Bueller trade. You know, I, I see him as a, a guy who can either handle second base or will be the backup for the infield in gotcha. the future.
0: Yeah, I'm taking a peek at him
1: too. He has gotcha. that elite speed, which – you know, when you play in Oakland, you got to like speed because you're not going to hit a ton of balls over the fence. We're, we don't play in New York. <laughs> or Cincinnati, or they, right? Or Cincinnati, that's right.
0: Yeah, you know, I noticed. Um, I was going through. You know, I was going through a lot of your trades. I was just kind of getting the history of what you've done since you've taken over that team. And one of the things that did
1: that did pop up. to have me taken was you a long time. Um, Okay, so I didn't. <laughs> I, I wasn't a
0: completist, right? <laughs> I went through and grabbed uh, as much as I could and as much time as I had, but I did notice that you made a lot of trades for like um, at least a handful of these 70 power guys, right? Like Fran Reyes, and um, the other names aren't coming to the top of my head, but do you think that that's kind of like a holdover from how you were building a roster in Cincinnati or were you kind of hoping like, hey, this park in Oakland is, you know, humongous we're going to need guys with big power if we're going to get anything out of the yard
1: yeah i was thinking i was going to need uh, a couple of guys that could hit the ball out of the yard to to make a serious run at you know the angels or seattle or houston or even texas you know the whole division uh so i went for them they didn't work out kind of what i was hoping for and so they didn't last long you've got
0: a little bit of a revolving door policy right bring them in. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't and get them moving.
1: Well, you know, I'm always one that I'm willing to trade anybody on any given day if the right deal comes along.
0: Well, I think we learned that from the Anthony Rendon uh, <laughs> trade from last summer or uh, last winter, I should say.
1: Yeah. Moose is gone. Yeah. I cut him. <laughs> and, and, and then I absorbed the whole $15 million I was owing him this year because I that's what i budgeted for when i decided i was going for a rebuild i'm going all in for you know the development and getting those big payrolls off my books
0: yeah you know i did the same thing and you know i reached out to a couple of a couple of the season guys here and basically said like Do i need to max out these player development budgets and these and these um, development budgets in general and you know, the consensus was, yeah. So I started trying to find ways to, you know, we talked about Joey Votto, like I got him off the books and sent him to Chappie uh, last year, basically just to use the 15 mil on player development. So like you, I'm hoping that that is a thing that works.
1: Yeah, I've already got my player development up to 25 million for, for this year. And if I end up dealing uh, Granky or Scott, or I don't remember who the other one is that has a decent salary then I'll kind of up it even more.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a good lead in. Um, I did have a question too around that. <clears throat> so you kind of cleaned house at the deadline. You know, you made big splashy deals with Walker Bueller and uh, Lucas Giolito sending those guys packing to uh you teams that really pushed deep into the postseason. Um we're we gonna see a few more players, like you know, Grinky or even I know, I know you just acquired Ken Gary, but he's another guy that, you know, would have some some suitors if you put him out there. Would we see guys like that move to this offseason to kind of recoup some of the losses from the previous offseason.
1: I don't think I'm going to move Gary. I mean, if somebody came to me with an offer I couldn't refuse, uh, a couple people have tried at last year's deadline and I could easily turn them down cuz I see Gary as the closer for the next, you know, 5 or 6 years depending on how expensive he gets down the road. Uh but but the other guys, you know, when we talk about Grinky uh, well, Mueller goes off the book. Rizzo is another guy. Uh, he could be moved. He, I mean, I don't see 8.5 million as being a huge, you know, debt. So we'll see. He has a t- opt out after 2022. We'll see what happens there. Chad Scott, I still like a lot, but I don't know if I'm going to re-sign him at the end of this year. So that's why I, you know, I may move him. If the right deal comes along,
0: yeah, it seems like in the position you're in, and the position that I've been in for a number of years, these guys who are, you know, on the on the back slope of their careers, it's probably best to see what you can get. I, you know, you and I talked a little bit about Rizzo, and um, yeah, his his salary isn't too high. Like, um, honestly, if if there was just a bit more power in that bat, if he was a little bit more, you know, real Rizzo from a few years ago, um, you know, then then I think there'd be Quite a bit more suitors. Like, as it stands, you know, he's he's had a couple decent years, right, with you in Baltimore, but nothing really earth shattering. And even the on base skills aren't aren't totally fantastic. But maybe he would fit someplace like, you know, in in New York, where that power can play a little bit better.
1: Yeah, uh, I think he could help a contending team, you know, if they're looking for a first baseman or or designated hitter he still has some power. He's good. eye, discipline. you know, I, you know, but for 8.5 8. million this year, if nobody wants him, I, that's fine by me, you know, I have fine. the money to pay him.
0: Yeah. So who's your favorite player in Oakland? I mean, I think we all have guys that we might even be too attached to emotionally. I know uh, Matthew Libertor is, Definitely one of those guys for me. Maybe even Xavier Noonan, although he kind of cooled off in the second half, I was I was getting to the point where I was, you know, quite in love with, with that guy. Who's your guy in Oakland?
1: Uh well, I like Fustini quite a bit. And uh I like Gary quite a bit. You know, I think I try not to get a hundred percent attached to people because I know that this is a time where eventually i can't keep them all no matter how good they get you know salary wise something's going to happen so i'm looking at those guys that are in in double a right now i i like gill a lot that's why i specifically i mean i targeted him when i went to get him Yep. so uh and then i you know i love power arms that's my kryptonite is (laughs) guy can throw the ball 100 miles an hour I'm all over that.
0: Well, I can tell you my favorite guy in Oakland is Dylan Carlson by far. I mean, obviously um, he's a young kid. He really tore up um, Nashville and Triple AAA uh, before you brought him up to Oakland last year. I mean, he just hit the snot out of the ball, right? I mean, I think he, mm-hmm. I'm looking at his line, something along like a 320, 420, 600, triple slash line over half a season. Um, what do you guys, yeah. what do you guys think? Are you expecting a big leap forward this year with, Carlson is he a good fit for, for Oakland in that park and everything as well
1: yeah I I love his bat I mean he has a good glove too uh, I've been trying him out in right field to get his defense better over there so he can move back and forth if I if I need it you know and that's what I'm going to do with a lot of my younger players is try to develop their secondary position so they're they're movable if an injury happens or something yeah, But, yeah, Carlson is, you know, Carlson and Fustini. I like Brian a lot. You know, the outfield, I think, is going to be solid. So now I'm looking for the infield, those pieces. That's why when I targeted in the Bueller trade and the Giolito trade was catching in infielders and pitching.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Who who currently plays um, – who's left field in Oakland? Uh. Is it going to be Carlson? Is that who's going to is that who's going to play out there
1: this year? I think so. I've been moving him and Powell around uh, to better their defense. So right now Powell has a uh, you know he's better in right field than Carlson is. So yeah, I think it's left field's going to end up being Carlson. Right field, uh, you know, it might be Brant also in left field you know, depends on how Powell starts off spring training and stuff, you know, Bryant may take over out there because Bryant can't play right field. So I'm probably going to put Bryant in right field in spring training, see if he can learn right field. And, you know, but yeah, it's it'll be uh, probably Carlson in left field and in either uh, Powell in right field as of right now.
0: Yeah. We talked about um, the right side of the infield. Looks like it's Rizzo and Scott for now. You know, barring anything else coming up at those positions, um, you've also got Maurer. Um, well, Maurer,
1: Maurer's a free agent. Is he
0: okay? Yeah. Yep. Totally right. This is the uh, downfall of doing this type of stuff right before the free agents move off the rosters, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> how about how about the left side of the infield then? So, um, you know, you talked about Howard. Um, what about Brendan Rogers? I know, right. I think he came over in a deal from Atlanta. I don't remember which deal. I think there's been... Yeah, no he, came over, he
1: came over in the Bueller trade also. Okay. Uh, you know, right now the plan is to, is to play Rodgers at shortstop. You know, that's... He's average, you know, range, you know, at shortstop. He has good defensive ratings. You know, his range, his arm and air and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so my plan is to put him at short... And right now, I don't know if it's going to be Howard or or Story at third. I don't know how well Story – I mean, Story has a 60. You know, Howard, I I gave him a big shot, and he just didn't produce. But, you know, that's really his first major league action that he's had is is this year. So, you know. And look I, I,
0: good. I, I I really I thought that his stint in Oakland, once he came over, he put up he put up good numbers. I think he looks like a good fit for that park as well in terms of um, in terms of skills. Do you think he's more of a you know top middle or bottom of the order player? And do you see him possibly moving positions? Like I mean, he looks like he could be a go glover at second base, right? And even maybe a strong player at third.
1: Yeah, you know when I decided to let the manager set. The lineup you know just in the last couple days so you could see kind of what the manager says and right now the manager says that he should be batting fifth all right you know uh we'll see if that if it stays that way or not i mean he has some power not not like tower power but you know uh but yeah he could move positions you know as the time goes on, like I said, I may give him some time at second base and third base in spring training, you know, see if those stats go up, the position ratings go up. Uh, yeah, I, I like versatility.
0: Yeah, I hear you on that. I've been trying to, been trying to groom a little bit of that myself. So um, I think the question everyone wants to know is, the answer everyone wants to know to this question is, what is it like just getting the crap kicked out of you all the time by the Astros, the Mariners, and the Angels. I mean, I play those guys a couple series a year, right? And I, I feel it. Like what, what is it like, you know, you, you must you must play one of those teams almost every week.
1: <laughs> it seems like it. You know, and down the stretch, I, I was kind of happy with my schedule because I wanted to get a better draft pick. You know, so winning wasn't, like, hugely important. I was moving people around and, you know, trying to get position ratings going. And then I kept beating Seattle. It's like I played 500 against – it seemed like I played 500 against Seattle down the road, and I'm sitting there going, that's an easy loss. That's an easy loss. And so I was competing against you to try to get a better draft pick, and I, keep, I kept winning every once in a while, which was kind of frustrating. It can be. You know, when you're rebuilding, you know, I ended up uh, – so you beat me out by one game.
0: It's what I'm trying to do. My goal is honestly just to beat you.
1: There you go. I, <laughs> I know we're kind of building that rivalry up, aren't we? You know, we're both going to be competitive here in a couple of years, and you know, now that know now anymore. that now that Aiden's moved over to the National League, we don't have that Aiden Rocky, you know, thing anymore. We need to have some sort of rivalry in the American League. Yeah, we well, don't have than, it
0: consistently with those two.
1: Yeah, other than Seattle Angels you know that
0: we don't hear them talk much about each other i mean it's a little bit here and there right but i think it's mostly pleasantries from those guys i think once in a while you see justin pop off with a comment but i think matt plays it pretty quiet
1: yeah matt plays it matt plays it pretty cry i mean matt and justin i mean they're just like okay am i gonna win the division or am i gonna get the wild cult spot <laughs> i mean that's pretty much the way it is and until you know, houston
0: showed up on the scene right
1: yeah well looking at matt wells's team you know i thought maybe last year he was going to be up you know doing this and i was a year off on that and that's why i tried to compete you know when i saw that he was kind of not you know producing the way i thought he was going to produce i went this is my chance <laughs> and lo and behold it wasn't i should have just started the rebuild a year earlier That's okay.
0: You can do the rebuild at any time. That's the beauty of this league. I mean, Brenton has shown that you can rip a team to shreds, be completely awful for a season and then pop right back into the world series. So I think that there's, you know, no shame. And I think that there's also just quick means. If you're a very active and attentive owner to, um, you know, quickly parlay a couple of deals and do a bunch of talent and throw some guys on the roster. I mean, you're still going to have to have those couple of seasons where you draft well, right? Like even Brenton, I mean, part of his thing was he did stockpile some some talent in the minors that he then could just put back right back into trade negotiations right and put some of that talent back on the major league roster and um you know that's that's one way to do it and that's the fun part of this is watching how everyone kind of wheels and deals right so you said the contention window in Oakland you're thinking a couple of years are you thinking back to the playoffs by 23 24.
1: well it I, I kills think you'd
0: even not say 22. <laughs>
1: I know it's bad, but uh, I, I'm hoping for maybe 24, you know, I think 22 I'm going to bring up a couple of those guys from double A towards the end of the year to get them some experience in the big leagues at the end of the year. And then, uh, you know, 23 we'll have most of those guys I'm, I'm hoping up some point during that year and then getting them their, their experience, getting them their I call it the hard knocks. The first, you know, first year is always tough, usually on, on players. So I'm hoping 24, 25 at the latest, but you know, I, to be honest with you, I don't see Seattle or LA going anywhere or Houston.
0: Yeah. It's going to be a rough division. I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of wins piled up in that division and you're going to have to find a way to come out of it. Sometimes, you know, like you talked about with Justin and Matt and Matt. Um, you will have to come out of it with a wild card and just be happy about that. And it, it might be a squeaker thing, right? Where you're you're quick or a close division.
1: Yeah. At At some point, you know, all five teams in a division may have a winning record. well
0: let's not get carried away.
1: And, and and two of them not make the playoffs.
0: <laughs> you know, and Paul's Paul's in there now too. And yeah, um, I knew Paul from a very short stint in in another league. Um. And I feel like his teams were were really good there. I I can't recall the, you know, all the details of that, and that's why I'm hoping to get him on here to do the same thing. Is I want to revisit some of that stuff with him. But I feel like he he'll get Texas going in the right direction too.
1: That's what I'm afraid of. No kidding. <laughs> you know, I I like it when when it's not the same teams every year. You know, yeah. I love the National League race this year. You know, seeing Atlanta and Pittsburgh, and you know washington yeah
0: who Denver. were you pulling for in the in the nl central so you spent a lot of time in the central who were you pulling for there with um between cole and oh man i'm going to forget the pirates gm's name
1: uh, I, yeah i can't remember his name now off the top of my head either
0: well you know that's his fault for not having it in his screen name but um, that's right <laughs> yeah who were you pulling for in the central you know you spent a lot of years there
1: I have hatred for both of those teams no you know it's it's hard to get over those rivalries you know i think cole's done an amazing job since he got there and, and same with pittsburgh you know i see st louis kind of on on the downward slide i see well they've got to be you they got in well yeah that's a, that's a given that that team's gonna get blown up and or they're gonna just you know crap the crap the bed one of the two by the
0: way the pirates GM is Greg right that's right yeah
1: yes yes uh no they both done a great job on on building their teams up that nl central i think you know i i was hoping the reds and all the prospects that i got for the reds at the end would start paying off and some of them just seemed like they took a backward slide you know so um I, I was hoping to see at some point that the division kind of flip you know st louis was always the team to catch when when I was there. Yeah, now they put that, together some
0: really competitive teams.
1: Yeah, now that Ryan's not there, you know, Pittsburgh and Milwaukee may be there for years. You know, they have they both have good young talent. So, yeah, uh, I don't pull for either. You know, I was really hoping for Brenton to make a long run, which he which he did and that was that was nice to see cuz you know his teams have been famous for doing really good and hitting the skids towards the end you of the year you mean like
0: starting the season 10 and 0 and then you know floundering somewhere in the middle or down the stretch yeah
1: yes yes so but yeah i was i was happy for him this year you know hopefully it it'll, it'll continue to stay as competitive as it was i mean what was it there was like 7 teams that were within one or two games of each other for like a whole month there yep that, that was that was pretty exciting yeah, yeah you know the I've, a- I've got
0: some I've got some favorite uh nationally teams that I follow um you know Tony and I talk quite a bit in terms of like trades and and I tend to I tend to pull for him quite a bit on that division mostly just yeah. Brendan. I mean why not right
1: <laughs> yeah no I like Tony a lot too I talk to Tony quite a bit and yeah And well, I talked to Eggy quite a bit in Colorado, but he and I both like to trade a lot too. So that was always something. So, uh, but yeah, I try to keep in contact with a, with a lot of people and just kick the tires on who might be available and who they might be looking to trade. That's what you got to do. Yeah. That's the only, that's the only way, you know, you've noticed that people got traded that, you know, weren't on the block. I, you know. And and people got mad that they weren't on the block. And I go, too bad. You know, if you're interested in that player, you should have went and kicked the tires.
0: You got to reach out, right? And some with some of these newer owners coming in, um, you know, I always kind of give a little bit of unsolicited advice to anyone that that shows up. And it really isn't meant to benefit me or anyone else in particular. Um, and I'm sure that I'm sure that Matt and Justin probably give a little bit of a lay of the land when people join. I can't remember what I got. Um, from from justin um jabs when i showed up but um hey jabs was or what kaiser the, what's that
1: jabs or kaiser jabs jabs
0: okay because yeah. um, he and I are you know we are actually real life friends that's so that he recruited me to this league because we knew each other um, from
1: fantasy baseball and um, oh, so, so, I, so I gotta reach out i gotta reach out to him and complain now <laughs>
0: you got it <laughs> Yeah, so I was giving the, this unsolicited advice yesterday. I think it was to the new Indians owner, perhaps, and I'm gonna forget names too. But hey, you know, I do my best. Um,
1: and just basically said that, like, hey, you
0: just can't be afraid to reach out. Reach out, right? Like, there's gonna be six or seven teams that are always in your DMs, always asking about your players, constantly trying to get you know players from you that you maybe shouldn't even think about trading. Not that anyone should be untradeable, um, but to just make sure you go out. And look through other teams' rosters and find players you like. Um, I, I found myself shifting to much more of that concept of trading rather than constantly responding to offers. I bet my first five, six, seven, eight trades were all just me responding to people reaching out, and you know, mostly about my best players back then when it was a you know fire sale in Detroit. Um, and then even more so once I started drafting high and picking some of these more sought-after prospects. You know, I. I i have to reply to these trade offers. I really try to initiate as much as I can these days, but you know, we talked about you love to trade. Eddie loves to trade or loved to trade. I mean, he's not dead, but not gone, but not right. forgotten. Um, I'm, I'm very slow and methodical. I love to build through the draft and kind of see what these guys are doing and um, cultivate and groom, <laughs> you know, and I don't make a lot of deals. I mean, Matt Wells, um, behind the scenes i don't think i ever spoke about this publicly like came really hard after matthew libertor um at the Mm -hmm. trade deadline two years ago and i just i didn't even know how we ended up talking about him it was almost like it was like it was like our card trick a sleight of hand we were talking about one player and all of a sudden he's like and then we'll just throw libertor in and i'm like i don't recall ever (laughs) engaging in a a trade talk about matthew libertor who i then had to go and buy a jersey for to make sure i locked him in
1: Right. Yeah. You and I talked about him last year. I think I offered you a uh, Giolito for Libertor and somebody else. And you thought about it for a couple of days and it came back and just said, I just can't trade Libertor. I
0: just, I, I've got a shirt. I mean, it's hard. Once you've got a shirt, <laughs> you can't, you can't part and That's That's how I make sure I lock these players in so I don't make any mistakes. But
1: Right. And that's kind of how I learned the Oakland system before I took over is because uh, the year before I traded Olerud to, to Brenton, you know, uh, Jason, who was a previous Oakland owner came hard after him. Yep. I mean, he made it, he made a pretty, I mean, I thought about it and thought about it and I decided not to, but you know, he had just traded three guys to get, who was the other pitcher or maybe Bueller from, from, uh, Florida or the Marlins. Uh, and I said, well, if you would have had two of those three guys in this trade, we'd be doing it in a heartbeat. Exactly. But, I mean, he came hard after. I mean, he made a good offer. And then, you know, when I ended up trading him to Atlanta, it was hard. Because I was like you. Allerud was my guy in Cincinnati. But you come at me with five players who I look at going, these guys are all going to be starters someday. Yeah. It's hard. Same thing that I did with Giolito and Bueller. you know. I knew I was going to blow this team up. And I figured if I'm going to blow it up, I'm going to blow it up.
0: Yep.
1: And get what you want. Yeah, and traded. You know, I was hoping uh, when I was in negotiations with Brenton, I was trying to get who was it? There was another. I was trying to get a better second baseman than Gorsett back in the trade.
0: Sure.
1: Uh, Oh, Madrigal was one of the guys I was going after, or Abrams, you know, but he, he held fast and. I ultimately decided, since I'm blowing it up, it was yep. worth to take the gamble with Gorsett and, and Rodgers. And I got a lot back. So and here,
0: and here you are, ready to start 2022 and look to the future and build with these younger players that you've got. I mean, it's going to be exciting. I think that anytime you blow a team up, um, it's hard and, and you're sad and there's not as much to look at at the major league level. And, you know, I know I was torn with Detroit, you know, a lot of a lot of owners were trying to, you know, teach me to you know, pay way more attention to your minor league games. I'm like, ah, it's really hard to do. But I, I really kind of embraced that last year. And, and I think that's probably where you're going to end up, too. So um, speaking of 2022, I'm kind of closing all these offseason interviews with, um, you know, expectations and where you think you'll finish. So if you had to give a prediction, kind of an over under for Oakland and, and wins in 2022, where would you put that realistically?
1: Well, I think that I won 67 games this year, and I don't think I'm going to win 67 games in 2022. You know, I'm I'm thinking low 60s. Okay, maybe 65. If I'm lucky, I get 65. You so I'm know, trying to and, stay
0: away from the hundred loss barrier, maybe somewhere there. Yeah,
1: I'd I'd love to stay away from the hundred loss barrier. I think my owner wants me to not suck completely. I think, (laughs) I think that was the, I think that was the thing from the owner. Let me look, let me look up. Yeah. Yeah. Don't team record. Don't suck completely. I don't know what that means.
0: Maybe that's, maybe that's what we can title this podcast. Maybe that's, maybe that's what it's going to be, Scott. I think it's going to be, Hey, we're here with Oakland and, and don't
1: suck completely. There you go. I think that's the right way to go because I know this is going to be a hard year on the major league level. I'm going to be paying much more attention, like you said, to the to the minor leagues and and how the guys are doing down there and, and to the future.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, I don't wish you luck because uh, I want to beat you. And um, if you, if you do happen to meet me in the playoffs in 2024, 2025, 2026, I hope you're terrible. I, I wish you all the worst.
1: Yeah. I'll, I'll, we'll be saying we'll be, crap talking to each other when that happens
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right this is a good chat scott i'm gonna i'm gonna stop here so i can cut it you and i can keep talking here for a little bit though